Let's open our Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 5. I got a, a, a study I want to do today, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 I'm going to look at today, and uh, I'll explain that to you why uh, in a minute. <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, last, last time we looked at the church of Laodicea, who uh, they were lukewarm. There's no other way to put it. They were lukewarm. They weren't hot. They weren't cold. They were kind of just in the middle. They were kind of mixed up a little bit of hot, a little bit of cold. And when you mix a little bit of hot and a little bit of cold, what do you get? Lukewarm. And, and, and you know, if you remember uh, what, G, what Jesus says, that, that God's response to that is, is not very nice. He's revolted by us if we're just lukewarm. He wants us to be either one or the other. Make the choice. What are you going to be? Who are you going to be? And, and uh, we have a choice that we can make. And Paul says in Romans 12, to never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor or heat serving the Lord. And then Jesus, you know, it says that he is standing at the door and knocking. So, you, you know, he wants us to have that fire. He's willing to give it to us. He, he's at the door knocking and I want you to notice, too, can you see the door handle? No, There's no door handle on the outside because the door handle is where? On the inside, and, and that's the way it is in our lives, too. You know, he's knocking at the door. He wants to get in and fellowship with us. But the door handle's on the inside, so we have to open it from the inside and let him in. That's, that's true. That's always true. And that's true for the unbeliever. It's true for the believer as well. We kind of keep him out. We kind of keep him at a distance. And he wants to come in. He wants to uh, speak to us and have that relationship uh, to us. Now, he did say some pretty strong words back there in Revelation. And, and the reason he explains, the reason that he said those very strong words were because he loved them. He loved the church at Laodicea. He wasn't happy for them to continue to be lukewarm, to continue just to have a little bit of hot, a little bit of cold. He didn't want that. And so he loves every one of us as well. And so uh, that's what I want to talk about today. You know, we kind of gather the family together, and, and this is a family. We're kind of, we, we had to break up a little bit, you know, and into two different groups, but that's okay. But it's a family, and he loves his family. We're the family of God. He loves every one of his family members. And so, uh, you know, what I want to say today is, is happy Father's Day to those fathers that are here, but even more so, I want to say happy Father's Day to the Father in heaven. Paul the Apostle says it, so many times, you know, God our Father, God our Father. And, and, I, and I've shared my story a lot of times too, but, but you know, uh, when I first came to Jesus and, and led him in my life, you know, I was, I was lost. I was a mess. I didn't have any, you know, example of what a good father was. My, my own father was a mess. He was an alcoholic. He was, you know, just abusive. It was just, it was a mess. And alcohol in, ended up killing him. And, and you know, so I, I really didn't have any father growing up, really. But when I gave my life to Jesus, my life was turned around. And, and not only because Jesus was in my life, but because I had a father. 
I had a father in heaven that I never had. And, and you know what? He's the father that, that never leaves you. You know, my, my uh, stepfather, who was a good man, and I love him, and I miss him a lot, you know, but he died, he died recently. But, but you know what? My father in heaven is there for me, always. And so happy Father's Day, I say, you know, to the father in heaven. Uh, John said this, great, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. See, it's, a, it's a, the great love that he pours out upon us. But as Jesus said, those who he loves, he rebukes and chastens. So sometimes he's got to speak, and, and you know, when you love somebody, sometimes you've got to tell them the truth. You've got to speak words that are not comfortable, that are not easy. And that's what he was doing back there in, in the book of Laodicea, uh, in the book of Revelation, the church of Laodicea. Jesus taught us to pray, and how did he do that? What were the first words that he said? Our Father. Our Father in heaven. Our Father. We have a Father. Again, we're a family, and he's our Father. So what I want to talk to you today about is this great Father, this mighty God who cares He's a father in heaven, but he cares so much about us. And, and, and you know, he's also the mighty God. He's the incredible creator. He is the, he is the, the God over all. So let's read these verses here, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. It says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up in due time. Verse 7 says, cast all your anxiety or all your cares on him because he cares for you. I don't know about you, but sometimes I carry a lot of burdens. Any of you ever carry any burdens? No? Some of you never? You know, maybe you walked in here today and you've got this load. You're just carrying this load and you're going like... You know, how long do I got to carry this thing? Or maybe you're just saying, you know, well, you know, I'm pretty tough. I can carry this. I got this. We'll talk about that in a minute because the, the context of this verse 7 is really verses 5 and 6. Verse 5, the last part of verse 5, look what it says there. It said, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. He says, you know, God opposes, and another translation said, God resists the proud. He actually fight against, he fights against us when we're uh, proud. But guess who's going to win? Sometimes we're like that. We're in this battle between us and God, and guess who's going to win? We think we're going to win sometimes. We think, oh, I got this. I can do this. But he's going to win always. Why? Because he's the mighty God. He's the awesome and incredible God. You say, why are you talking about this idea of pride? Why are you talking about this idea of humbling? What has that got to do with casting our cares on him? Does it have anything to do with it? Well, the context tells us that it has a lot to do with it. 
Because verse 6 goes right into verse 7 with a comma. It shouldn't be like this version. The NIV here has a period and then a capital letter in verse 6. You see how it has... uh, This is the New King James Version, and this is a more correct version. See, there's a comma, and then it says casting. So part of humbling ourselves is casting our cares upon him. How do these two play together? Well, first of all, pride is a, is a horrible thing. Now, you say, well, I'm not a very proud person. I'm proud that I'm not a proud person. But you see, pride is something that we all kind of face. Pride is really the, the heart of sin. Why do I say that? What's in the middle of the word sin? Anybody know? I, I, you see, pride, that's, you know, interesting enough, in the middle of the word pride, what's in the middle of that? I, you see, it's, it's part of the sin nature, it's part of what we have, that we have this pride thing. What keeps us from God? It's pride. What keeps us from humbling ourselves before him? It's pride. But he says God resists the proud. So when he says this here that we're casting all our care on him, it's not a new statement. In fact, it's part of humbling ourselves before him. Casting our cares on him. And and what it really means is this, is that we are confessing our inability. Our inability to carry it all. Our inability to to carry any of of it, that that you and I, pride keeps us from that. This church in Laodicea, one of the things that got them to this place of being lukewarm was their pride. They said, if you remember, they said, I'm rich, I don't need anything. That's pride. There was a Bible teacher that said these words about pride. He said, we call it independence. We call it self-reliance, and we don't always discern it in the hurt feeling. We get hurt, in other words, and then we sulk. But he says this, we're proud of our humility. We're vain of our meekness, and putting on the saintliest look, we wonder whether all around are not admiring us for our lowliness. It's this kind of you know, false humility, which really is pride disguising itself. Say, why, again, you say, why are you making such a big deal about pride? Because pride keeps us from verse 7, this idea of casting all our cares upon him. It keeps us from that place of, of really victory over this. John Piper said these words, he said, casting Our anxiety or our cares on God is part of humbling ourselves, something we do in order to humble ourselves, not being too proud to ask for help. Not being too proud to ask for help. So getting past this pride, we now get to this idea of casting our cares on him. Once we get past the pride, this word casting, it's, it's an active, what they say in English terminology, an active participle. That's why we have the, the ing on the end, right? Is that correct? 
Anybody know English? Participle, I-N-G on the end. Casting, it's something, it's active, it's something that we actively do and we continuously do. You see, that's why it comes out of verse, the previous verse, because it's casting. We humble ourselves, casting all our cares on him. These two things go together hand in hand. What does it mean? It means to throw upon him, to cast upon him. David Guzik, the the pastor and Bible teacher, says this, casting is a rather energetic word. He didn't say, lay all your care upon him. Because we have to do it more energetically than that. The idea is to throw it all away from you. The pressures and the burdens of your life are so heavy and difficult that it takes great concentration and effort to put them on Jesus. You can't just say, you know, I've got all these problems that I'm just going to put them over here on Jesus. Does that work? It doesn't work for me. I can tell you that right now. Well, I'm just going to, I'll just lay it at the foot of the cross and I'll just... These things are so consuming, they're, they're affecting us so deeply, we need to take an energetic kind of approach, an energetic action. That's why he says it's an energetic word. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking, well, well, how do you do that? You know, you can't take all of your cares and put them in like this basket, and then you take this basket and you kind of get up and you throw this thing around. So I say, well, how does that work? And, and, and how does that actually work in my life how, in, a, in a very realistic way? And, and I had to think about this. And what happened the night before last, I was awake at 3 a.m. Do any of you ever wake up at 3 a.m.? Like, what's the problem? What's up with that? You know, why can't we do this at uh, 3 p.m.? To deal with these things. I mean, I don't understand. Anyways, I'm awake at 3 a.m. and with a whole load of cares, a whole load of, of anxieties, a whole load of things that I'm trying to deal with. Like, what am I going to do with all this stuff? And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm praying for sure and I'm struggling with all these things and try, you know, trying to bring them before God and, and talk to him about this. And I'm going like, you know, this isn't nice. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't seem to be helpful, although after a period of time, I actually got to a place where I had some kind of peace, and I actually was able to go back to sleep. And I was thinking about it, not that day, but the next day as I'm thinking about this message and thinking about this word, and I'm thinking, you know what? This is, exa- this is exactly what it is. This is part of the struggle. This is the energy that it takes, this struggle that it takes to, to actually bring these cares and these these anxiety and these worries to bring to him, and it's, it, it does involve struggle. It does involve energy. It does involve this kind of back and forth th- uh, thing that, that takes place. And I was reminded about Jacob. You know Jacob in the Bible? Jacob, you know, he, he had been away from his brother Esau for a long, long time, right? And, and you know the story, but he was going to get back together with him. And, and it, there was at one point, you know, that he was afraid Esau, his brother, was going to kill him. So this is many, many years later now, though, and he was, he was really kind of anxious about it, very anxious. In fact, it said he had great fear and distress to get back together with his brother Esau. And so, and so he, he you know, 
he, he tried, you know, all these little tricks, you know, I'm going to send all these gifts ahead, you know, all, you know, all these sheep and animals and stuff, and, and, you know, maybe that'll make him happy. And then he, he, he separated all of his, you know, family into two groups. So, well, if he takes this one and kills them, maybe this one will survive. And then it says that after he sent everybody on ahead, he was on his own. He was all alone. And then what happened? Anybody remember? He had like a wrestling match, right? It says there was a man. He wrestled with this man who really was God, uh, you know, there with him. And he's wrestling with God and he's trying to, you know, force this thing. And, and so what, what does God do in the end? He like zaps his hip, right? You know the story? God had to finally show him, listen, you got you to ease up here, Jacob. You're not going to get anywhere with me. And he had all this anxiety and stuff, and he's wrestling with this man, but he needed to surrender to God is what he needed to do. And God finally showed him, and, it, and he kind of had that, he had that hip problem like forever after that, right? It says that, you know, from then on, he kind of, he would kind of, you know, have this hip problem, and he'd be limping. Sometimes, you know, you and I, we got to wrestle these things out with God. What keeps us from just surrendering? It's this pride thing. It's this thing within us, this, you know, thing that I got to do it. I got to make it happen. I got to force it. And in the end, God has to do it. And in the end, as we... As we, ha- as we have these struggles, as we, as we bring these, cast these cares upon him and, and we struggle with him, we wrestle it out with him, that's where we're going to find the victory. It kind of it makes me feel a little bit better in a weird sort of way about these times in the middle of the night where I'm having these struggles like, hey, this is actually going to get me somewhere. To wrestle it out with God, but, but ultimately I need to humble myself and, 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 and surrender. That's ultimately what I need to do. That's ultimately what you and I need to do. So if I ask you again, any of you carrying burdens in here, and you, you know, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? One more illustration with Peter. Now, what, what was Peter's occupation again? He was a fisherman, right? Now, we have this word casting, and you and I, when we think about it, we think, you know, oh, Peter Fisherman, you know, big rod and reel, and he's casting with rod and reel. They didn't really have rod and reel back then, right? So what did they have? They have nets. They had big, giant nets, and, and a big, giant net would be what? Very heavy. So to get this net to actually get anywhere with it, it took a lot of effort, a lot of energy to actually get that net and to cast it out so that they could actually get somewhere to get a catch. Leave it in the boat, nothing's going to happen. Now, I don't really think that Peter's, you know, thinking about fish when he's talking about this, but it, it's certainly that illustration works, I think, for us. You know, we need to, we need to do something. With these cares, with these anxieties, we can't just keep going on like that. This, this word for cares, by the way, literally means to be drawn in different directions. 
It means to be drawn in different directions. So, you know, to cast all these cares, these things that are really, that are tearing us apart. They're, they're going to tear us apart. The cares of this world, you know, the pressures, the tensions, the, the distractions, the things of this life that are just tearing you apart. And I think, you know, those of you that, that, that you know, raised your hand, you know what I'm talking about. These things, it, you know, it depends on what they are. They'll, they'll tear you up. And they do. So how do we do it? I've kind of already alluded to it. How do we do it? How do we cast these cares? It's got to be energetic. It's got to be, you know, real. And it's, it, it, we have to really put ourselves into it. And how do we do it? Well, Paul tells us here in, in Philippians chapter 4, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So what is he saying? How do we do it? How do we cast these cares on him? It it comes in prayer. It comes in prayer, spending time talking to him. We need to pray. We need to keep praying in an ongoing thing. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher in England, uh, and he preached around in the 1870s. He says this, though, listen. He said, this work of casting can be so difficult that we need to use two hands to do it. He says, the hand of prayer and the hand of faith. Prayer tells God what the care is and asks God to help, while faith believes that God can and will do it. I think that's right. It takes two hands. You gotta, yeah, they really get into it. You gotta, you gotta pray and you have to trust. You need to ask him. You need to believe him that, that God is the only one that really can do anything about it. Pride is what says, well, maybe if I just work on this a little bit longer, maybe if I just spend a little bit more time at it, maybe if I read a few more books. When God is saying, listen, you know. Why don't you just bring it to me? Let me deal with it. That's what it says here. Cast all your anxiety on him. How much does he want? All. Not just the things that we think, I can't handle this, so I'll bring that one to you. But this, this part over here, I can handle that one, so I'm going to, you know, I'll keep doing that one. It says cast all. All. What does all mean? It means all, yeah. Everything. Point number one, cast all your cares on him. Casting all your cares on him. Starts with humility. It starts with humbling ourselves. Point number two is this. Why? Because he cares for us. Why? Because he cares for us. Now, you'll notice uh, it says cares, and we said we cast our cares on him because he cares for us. They're not the same word. They're the same word in English, right? But in the original language, they're actually two very different words. One, as I said, is, is to be drawn apart, to be torn apart, anxieties, pressures, tensions, all that stuff. Does God ever get torn apart? 
Does, I, does God ever get anxious? Let me say that. Does he ever worry about anything? Is he ever overwhelmed by anything, feeling all the tension of that? I'm not sure how I'm going to get, you know, you know the, the sun to rise tomorrow. I'm, I'm really starting to get anxious. God doesn't do that. He doesn't have that problem. You and I do, right? So it's a very different word. But he takes those things that you and I have upon himself, and, and he can handle it because he doesn't have the same kinds of problems that you and I do. But the point of, of this word cares is, is that he actually cares about you. He cares what happens to you in your life. He cares what happens to me in my life. He cares about those things that are bothering us and how it's affecting us. The, the word means to care about, to be interested in to be concerned about. And somebody said this, it matters to him. It matters to him. It matters to him what you're going through. It matters to him what I'm going through. The things that I'm overwhelmed about, it matters to him. Now, is the enemy of our souls telling you that? The enemy of our souls is telling us, you know what, God doesn't really care about you. He doesn't care about your situation. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. But who are we going to believe, the enemy or what God's word tells us? He says he cares for you. He cares. He cares about it. It matters to him. Now, in that day that these words were written, you know, there was a lot of pagan gods, a lot of false gods, a lot of idolatry going on. We talked a lot about it in the seven churches of Revelation. A lot of these false gods. But you know what? These false gods, they... The, the truth of the matter is that they were very distant and they did not care. They didn't care. Most of them were demons anyways, right? And they didn't care. And so people thought, well, I have to do all these things. I've got to bring all these sacrifices. I've got to do all these weird things and weird stuff to, make, to get the attention of this God so maybe he'll care about me. But this is just the opposite, isn't it? Our God cares. You don't got to do weird stuff for him to care about you. He, you, know, you don't got to you know, you know, walk up all these stairs on your knees to get to the top of this you know, pyramid-looking thing, and, and then maybe he'll get your, you know, you'll get his attention and he'll care about you. You don't have to do all that. He already does. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He, 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 he already does love you and care about you. So for you and I, we need to know that it matters to him. And, and so we can take these cares and these, these things that we have and we can give it to him because he cares. It matters. And we can let him take care of it because he wants to. Pastor Chuck points out that, that Jesus was constantly telling the disciples that the Father cares. You can read about it in, in Matthew chapter 6. He, was, he said, you know what? The Father fed the birds, right? But your heavenly Father cares more for you than he does about the birds. 
the, the heavenly Father, he, you know, he closed the flowers of, in the, of the field, but you know what he, Solomon in, in, in all of his glory isn't anything like what he did there, but, but he's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of me. What does it say? It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He says, you know what, I'm going to take care of all that stuff because we're worrying about things that happened in the past. We're worrying about what happens today. We're worried about what happens tomorrow. We're all anxious about it. And he says, seek me first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. He's going to take care of all those things if we would simply seek him and focus on him and, and worship him and surrender to him. Again, we get back to that, uh, that point of humbling ourselves before him what happens if we stray sometimes we do we stray from the father you know the prodigal of the prodigal son right the parable of the prodigal son i should say and you know he thought he could make it on his own didn't he he said, give me my inheritance. I'm going to go out. I'm going to have a real good time. I can do this thing. I know what I'm doing. I, I'm pretty smart. And what happened? He went out and he blew all of the, the money that he had. He blew all the advantages that he had. He ends up feeding pigs. He ends up a real mess. And so what happens to the prodigal son, it says that at some point in time, it says he kind of came to himself. He kind of figured out, like, what in the world am I doing? And then what does he do? He goes back to his father. In other words, he humbles himself. And you can read about it because his father says, I want to give you, you know, I want to have a party, give you the fattened calf and, and have a, a celebration and all that. He says, no, no, I don't want any of that. You know, I, you know, I've sinned against heaven and against you. He humbled himself. But the most incredible thing to me in this, this verse in the middle that I have on the screen here, whenever I think about this, it says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. What does that tell us? His father was looking for him. And he was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. What a picture is that? He ran to his son. He's, not only is he looking for him and waiting for him, but when he finally sees him, he actually runs to meet him. The father cares. This mighty God cares, but he has, a God, he has this heart of compassion for us that, that even when we try to make it on our own, we try to do it on ourselves, by ourselves, when we finally come to ourselves and realize, you know what, what am I doing? And we go back and we start to turn back to him. As soon as we do, he sees and he runs to meet us. That is, that is absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. But you got to be part of the family, right? How do you become part of the family? How do you come to the Father? Well, Jesus said at John 14, 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through Him, but by Him. I want to close with a, a quote that I found uh, from a guy named Matthew Henry, again, who was... Uh, 
a long time ago, a commentator and a pastor and a teacher. And he said this, throw your cares, which are so cutting and distracting, which wound your souls and pierce your hearts upon the wise and gracious providence of God. For he cares for you. That's what he wants from us. We got we to gotta humble ourselves and say, God, I need you. I need you every hour I need you. And pray and bring these cares that, these cares that, that I believe that we all have and, and humble ourselves, get on our faces before him and just lay it all out before him. Is it going to be a struggle? Probably. Is it going to be a 3 a.m. at night? Maybe. Doesn't have to be. Sometimes it's in the middle of the day, of course. But we need to get, get, get with him and wrestle with him and, and, and finally surrender to him. And that's where the victory comes. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you care. I don't even know that we really grasp. I don't think that we even can possibly grasp how deep that is. The fact that you have such deep love and compassion and caring for us and and that you, like the prodigal son, that you're looking for us and you're waiting and you, you actually run to meet us because you care. You care for me. You care for each person here, Lord. Father, I don't know the cares and the, the worries, the struggles, the trials, the things that are, that are ripping us apart that might be uh, in the lives of each one of your family here today, Lord, each one of your sons and daughters, Lord, that I pray for them right now that that they would see how much you care for them and that you love them and you want to take those burdens, those cares. And that we need to humble ourselves and pray and seek your face. Seek you first. Father, I also want to pray for any that that aren't part of the family yet. Maybe that's you. You need to, you want to be, you want to have a father in heaven and, and you can today. You can simply ask Jesus in to your life and your heart. He's at the door knocking. Will we let him in? That's always the question. Will we let him in? He's knocking right now. You can say, you can open the door and say, Jesus, come in. I need you. I need help. I am lost. Come in and save me. You died for me. Forgive me. Forgive my sin. And, and come into my life and my heart today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together and sing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God.